section twenty of curiosities of literature volume three this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. curiosities of literature volume three by isaac disraeli the history of writing masters there is a very apt letter from james i to prince henry when very young on the neatness and fairness of his handwriting the royal father suspecting that the prince's tutor mr afterwards sir adam newton had helped out the young prince in the composition and that in this specimen of calligraphy he had relied also on the pains of mr peter bales the great writing-master for touching up his letters his majesty shows a laudable anxiety that the prince should be impressed with the higher importance of the one over the other james shall himself speak i confess i long to receive a letter from you that may be wholly yours as well matter as form as well formed by your mind as drawn by your fingers for ye may remember that in my book to you i warn you to beware with of that kind of wit that may fly out at the end of your fingers not that i commend not a fair handwriting said hoc facito illud non omitito and the others multo magis precipium prince henry indeed wrote with that elegance which he borrowed from his own mind and in an age when such minute elegance was not universal among the crowned heads of europe henry the fourth on receiving a letter from prince henry immediately opened it a custom not usual with him and comparing the writing with the signature to decide whether it were of one hand sir george carey observing the french king's hesitation called mr douglas to testify to the fact on which henry the great admiring an art in which he had little skill and looking on the neat elegance of the writing before him politely observed i see that in writing fair as in other things the elder must yield to the younger had this anecdote of neat writing reached the professors of calligraphy who in this country have put forth such painful panegyrics on the art these royal names had unquestionably blazoned their pages not indeed that these penmen require any fresh inflation for never has there been a race of professors in any art who have exceeded in solemnity and pretensions the practitioners in this simple and mechanical craft i must leave to more ingenious investigators of human nature to reveal the occult cause which has operated such powerful delusions on these viva la plume men who have been generally observed to possess least intellectual ability in proportion to the excellence they have obtained in their own art i suspect this maniacal vanity is peculiar to the writing-masters of england and i can only attribute the immense importance which they have conceived of their art to the perfection to which they have carried the art of shorthand writing an art which was always better understood and more skilfully practised in england than in any other country it will surprise some when they learn that the artists in verse and colours poets and painters have not raised loftier pretensions to the admiration of mankind writing-masters or calligraphers have had their engraved effigies 
with a fame in flourishes a pen in one hand and a trumpet in the other and fine verses inscribed and their very lives written they have compared the nimbly turning of their silver quill to the beautiful in art and the sublime in invention nor is this wonderful since they discover the art of writing like the invention of language in a divine original and from the tablets of stone which the deity himself delivered they trace their german broad text or their fine running hand one for the bold striking of those words vive la plume was so sensible of the reputation that this last piece of command of hand would give the book which he thus adorned and which his biographer acknowledges was the product of about a minute but then how many years of flourishing had that single minute cost him that he claims the glory of an artist observing we seldom find the man of business with the artist joined another was flattered that his writing could impart immortality to the most wretched compositions and any lines prove pleasing when you write sometimes the calligrapher is a sort of hero to you you rare commander of the quill whose wit and worth deep learning and high skill speak you the honour of great tower hill the last line became traditionally adopted by those who were so lucky as to live in the neighbourhood of this parnassus but the reader must form some notion of that charm of calligraphy which has so bewitched its professors when soft bold and free your manuscripts still please how justly bold in snell's improving hand the pen at once joins freedom with command with softness strong with ornaments not vain loose with proportion and with neatness plain not swelled not full complete in every part and artful most when not affecting art and these describe those pencilled knots and flourishes the angels the men the birds and the beasts which as one of them observed he could command even by the gentle motion of his hand all the speciosa marasula of calligraphy thy tender strokes inimitably fine crown with perfection every flowing line and to each grand performance add a grace as curling hair adorns a beauteous face in every page new fancies give delight and sporting round the margin charm the sight one massey a writing-master published in seventeen sixty three the origin and progress of letters the great singularity of this volume is a new species of biography never attempted before in english this consists of the lives of english penmen otherwise writing-masters if some have foolishly enough imagined that the sedentary lives of authors are void of interest from deficient incident and interesting catastrophe what must they think of the barren labours of those who in the degree they become eminent to use their own style in the art of dish dash long tail fly the less they become interesting to the public for what can the most skilful writing-master do but wear away his life in leaning over his pupil's copy or sometimes snatch a pen to decorate the margin though he cannot compose the page
montaigne has a very original notion on writing-masters he says that some of those calligraphers who had obtained promotion by their excellence in the art afterwards affected to write carelessly lest their promotion should be suspected to have been owing to such an ordinary acquisition massey is an enthusiast fortunately for his subject he considers that there are schools of writing as well as of painting or sculpture and expatiates with the eye of fraternal feeling on a natural genius a tender stroke a grand performance a bold striking freedom and a liveliness in the sprig letters and pencilled knots and flourishes while this vasari of writing-masters relates the controversies and the libels of many a rival pen-nibber george shelley one of the most celebrated worthies who have made a shining figure in the commonwealth of english calligraphy born i suppose of obscure parents because brought up in christ's hospital yet under the humble blue coat he laid the foundation of his calligraphic excellence and lasting fame for he was elected writing-master to the hospital shelley published his natural writing but alas snell another blue coat transcended the other he was a genius who would bear no brother near the throne i have been informed that there were jealous heart-burnings if not bickerings between him and colonel ayres another of our great reformers in the writing commonweal both eminent men yet like our most celebrated poets pope and addison or to carry the comparison still higher like caesar and pompey one could bear no superior and the other no equal indeed the great snell practised a little stratagem against mr shelley for which if writing-masters held courts-martial this hero ought to have appeared before his brothers in one of his works he procured a number of friends to write letters in which massey confesses are some satirical strokes upon shelley as if he had arrogated too much to himself in his book of natural writing they find great fault with pencilled knots and sprigged letters shelley who was an advocate for ornaments in fine penmanship which snell utterly rejected had parodied a well-known line of herbert's in favour of his favourite decorations a knot may take him who from letters flies and turn delight into an exercise these reflections created ill blood and even an open difference among several of the superior artists in writing the commanding genius of snell had a more terrific contest when he published his standard rules pretending to have demonstrated them as euclid would this proved a bone of contention and occasioned a terrific quarrel between mr snell and mr clark this quarrel about standard rules ran so high between them that they could scarce forbear scurrilous language therein and a treatment of each other unbecoming gentlemen both sides in this dispute had their abettors and to say which had the most truth and reason non nostrum est tantis componere lites perhaps both parties might be too fond of their own schemes they should have left them to people to choose which they liked best a candid politician is our massey and a philosophical historian too for he winds up the whole story of this civil war by describing its result which happened as all such great controversies have ever closed 
who nowadays takes those standard rules either one or the other for their guide in writing this is the finest lesson ever offered to the furious heads of parties and to all their men let them meditate on the nothingness of their standard rules by the fate of mr snell it was to be expected when once these writing-masters imagined that they were artists that they would be infected with those plague-spots of genius envy detraction and all the jalousie du métier and such to this hour we find them an extraordinary scene of this nature has long been exhibited in my neighbourhood where two doughty champions of the quill have been posting up libels in their windows respecting the inventor of a new art of writing the carstarian or the lewisian when the great german philosopher asserted that he had discovered the method of fluxions before sir isaac and when the dispute grew so violent that even the calm newton sent a formal defiance in set terms and got even george the second to try to arbitrate who would rather have undertaken a campaign the method of fluxions was no more cleared up than the present affair between our two heroes of the quill a recent instance of one of these egregious calligraphers may be told of the late tomkins this vainest of writing-masters dreamed through life that penmanship was one of the fine arts and that a writing-master should be seated with his peers in the academy he bequeathed to the british museum his opus magnum a copy of macklin's bible profusely embellished with the most beautiful and varied decorations of his pen and as he conceived that both the workman and the work would alike be darling objects with posterity he left something immortal with the legacy his fine bust by chantry unaccompanied by which they were not to receive the unparalleled gift when tomkins applied to have his bust our great sculptor abated the usual price and courteously kind to the feelings of the man said that he considered tomkins as an artist it was the proudest day of the life of our writing-master but an eminent artist and wit now living once looking on this fine bust of tomkins declared that this man had died for want of a dinner a fate however not so lamentable as it appeared our penman had long felt that he stood degraded in the scale of genius by not being received at the academy at least among the class of engravers the next approach to academic honour he conceived would be that of appearing as a guest at their annual dinner these invitations are as limited as they are select and all the academy persisted in considering tomkins as a writing-master many a year passed every intrigue was practised every remonstrance was urged every stratagem of courtesy was tried but never ceasing to deplore the failure of his hopes it preyed on his spirits and the luckless calligrapher went down to his grave without dining at the academy this authentic anecdote has been considered as satire improperly directed by some friend of mr tomkins but the criticism is much too grave the foible of mr tomkins as a writing-master presents a striking illustration of the class of men here delineated 
i am a mere historian and am only responsible for the veracity of this fact that mr tomkins lived in familiar intercourse with the royal academicians of his day and was a frequent guest at their private tables and moreover was a most worthy man i believe but is it less true that he was ridiculously mortified by being never invited to the academic dinner on account of his calligraphy he had some reason to consider that his art was of the exalted class to which he aspired to raise it when this friend concludes his eulogy of this writing-master thus mr tomkins as an artist stood foremost in his own profession and his name will be handed down to posterity with the heroes and statesmen whose excellences his penmanship has contributed to illustrate and to commemorate i always give the poor and the contra such men about such things have produced public contests combats à l'outrance where much ink was spilled by the knights in a joust of goose-quills these solemn trials have often occurred in the history of writing-masters which is enlivened by public defiances proclamations and judicial trials by umpires the prize was usually a golden pen of some value one as late as in the reign of anne took place between mr german and mr moore german having courteously insisted that mr moore should set the copy he thus said it ingeniously quaint as more and more our understanding clears so more and more our ignorance appears the result of this pen combat was really lamentable they displayed such an equality of excellence that the umpires refused to decide till one of them espied that mr german had omitted the tittle of an i but mr moore was evidently a man of genius not only by his couplet but in his essay on the invention of writing where occurs this noble passage art with me is of no party a noble emulation i would cherish while it proceeded neither from nor to malevolence bales had his johnson norman his mason airs his matlock and his shelley yet art the while was no sufferer the busybody who officiously employs himself in creating misunderstandings between artists may be compared to a turnstile which stands in every man's way yet hinders nobody and he is the slanderer who gives ear to the slander footnote i have not met with moore's book and am obliged to describe this from the biographia britannica End of footnote. among these knights of the plume volante whose chivalric exploits astounded the beholders must be distinguished peter bales in his joust with javid johnson in this tilting match the guerdon of calligraphy was won by the greatest of calligraphers its arms were assumed by the victor a jour a peine or while the golden pen carried away in triumph was painted with a hand over the door of the calligrapher the history of this renowned encounter was only traditionally known till with my own eyes i pondered on this whole trial of skill in the precious manuscript of the champion himself who like caesar not only knew how to win victories but also to record them peter bales was a hero of such transcendent eminence that his name has entered into our history hollinshed chronicles one of his curiosities of microscopic writing at a time when the taste prevailed for admiring writing which 
no eye could read in the compass of a silver penny this calligrapher put more things than would fill several of these pages he presented queen elizabeth with the manuscript set in a ring of gold covered with a crystal he had also contrived a magnifying glass of such power that to her delight and wonder her majesty read the whole volume which she held on her thumb-nail and commended the same to the lords of the council and the ambassadors and frequently as peter often heard did her majesty vouchsafe to wear this calligraphic ring Footnote howes in his chronicle under date fifteen seventy six has thus narrated the story a strange piece of work and almost incredible was brought to pass by an englishman from within the city of london and a clerk of the chancery named peter bales who by his industry and practice of his pen contrived and writ within the compass of a penny the lord's prayer the creed the ten commandments a prayer to god a prayer for the queen his posy is named the day of the month the year of our lord and the reign of the queen and at hampton court he presented the same to the queen's majesty End of footnote. some will think i labour on a cobweb modestly exclaimed burials in his narrative and his present historian much fears for himself the reader's gratitude will not be proportioned to my pains in condensing such copious pages into the size of a silver penny but without its worth for a whole year had david johnson affixed a challenge to any one who should take exceptions to this my writing and teaching he was a young friend of bales daring and longing for an encounter yet bales was magnanimously silent till he discovered that he was doing much less in writing and teaching since this public challenge was proclaimed he then set up his counter challenge and in one hour afterwards johnson arrogantly accepted it in a most despiteful and disgraceful manner bales's challenge was delivered in good terms to all englishmen and strangers it was to write for a gold pen of twenty pounds value in all kinds of hands best straightest and fastest and most kind of ways a full a mean a small with line and without line in a slow set hand a mean facile hand and a fast running hand and further to write truest and speediest most secretary and clerk-like from a man's mouth reading or pronouncing either english or latin young johnson had the hardihood now of turning the tables on his great antagonist accusing the veteran bales of arrogance such an absolute challenge says he was never witnessed by man without exception of any in the world and a few days after meeting bales of set purpose to affront and disgrace him what he could showed bales a piece of writing of secretary's hand which he had very much laboured in fine abortive parchment Footnote this was written in the reign of elizabeth holyoke notices virgin parchment made of an abortive skin membrana virgo peachamon drawing calls parchment simply an abortive uttering to the challenger these words mr bales give me one shilling out of your purse and if within six months you better or equal this piece of writing i will give you forty pounds for it this legal deposit of the shilling was made and the challenger or appellant was thereby bound by law to the performance the day before the trial a printed declaration was affixed throughout the city taunting bales's proud poverty and his pecuniary motives as a thing ungentle base and mercenary 
and not answerable to the dignity of the golden pen johnson declares he would maintain his challenge for a thousand pounds more but for the respondent's inability to perform a thousand groats bales retorts on the libel declares it as a sign of his rival's weakness yet who so bold as blind bayard that hath not a word of latin to cast at a dog or say boo to a goose on michaelmas day fifteen ninety five the trial opened before five judges the appellant and the respondent appeared at the appointed place and an ancient gentleman was entrusted with the golden pen in the first trial for the manner of teaching scholars after johnson had taught his pupil a fortnight he would not bring him forward this was awarded in favour of bales the second for secretary and clerk-like writing dictating to them both in english and in latin bales performed best being first done written straightest without line with true orthography the challenger himself confessing that he wanted the latin tongue and was no clerk the third and last trial for fair writing in sundry kinds of hands the challenger prevailed for the beauty and most authentic proportion and for the superior variety of the roman hand in the court hand the respondent exceeded the appellant and likewise in the set text and in bastard secretary was also somewhat perfecter at length bales perhaps perceiving an equilibrium in the judicial decision to overwhelm his antagonist presented what he distinguishes as his masterpiece composed of secretary and roman hand four ways varied and offering the defendant to let pass all his previous advantages if he could better this specimen of calligraphy the challenger was silent at this moment some of the judges perceiving that the decision must go in favour of bales in consideration of the youth of the challenger lest he might be disgraced to the world requested the other judges not to pass judgment in public bales assures us that he in vain remonstrated for by these means the winning of the golden pen might not be so famously spread as otherwise it would have been to bales the prize was awarded but our history has a more interesting close the subtle machiavellism of the first challenger when the great trial had closed and bales carrying off the golden pen exultingly had it painted and set up for his sign the baffled challenger went about reporting that he had won the golden pen but that the defendant had obtained the same by plots and shifts and other base and cunning practices bales vindicated his claim and offered to show the world his masterpiece which had acquired it johnson issued an appeal to all impartial penmen which he spread in great numbers through the city for ten days a libel against the judges and the victorious defendant he declared that there had been a subtle combination with one of the judges concerning the place of trial which he expected to have been before penmen but not before a multitude like a stage-play and shouts and tumults with which the challenger had hitherto been unacquainted the judges were intended to be twelve but of the five four were the challenger's friends honest gentlemen but unskilled in judging of most hands and he offered again forty pounds to be allowed in six months to equal bales's masterpiece and he closes his appeal by declaring that bales had lost in several parts of the trial neither did the judges deny that bales possessed himself of the golden pen by a trick before judgment was awarded alleging the sickness of his wife to be extreme he desired she might have a sight of the golden pen to comfort her 
the ancient gentleman who was the holder taking the defendant's word allowed the golden pen to be carried to the sick wife and bales immediately pawned it and afterwards to make sure work sold it at a great loss so that when the judges met for their definite sentence nor pen nor pennyworth was to be had the judges being ashamed of their own conduct were compelled to give such a verdict as suited the occasion bales rejoins he publishes to the universe the day and the hour when the judges brought the golden pen to his house and while he checks the insolence of this bobadil to show himself no recreant assumes the golden pen for his sign such is the shortest history i could contrive of the chivalry of the pen something mysteriously clouds over the fate of the defendant bales's history like caesar's is but an ex parte evidence who can tell whether he has not slurred over his defeats and only dwelt on his victories there is a strange phrase connected with the art of the calligrapher which i think may be found in most if not in all modern languages to write like an angel ladies have been frequently compared with angels they are beautiful as angels and sing and dance like angels but however intelligible these are we do not so easily connect penmanship with the other celestial accomplishments this fanciful phrase however has a very human origin among those learned greeks who emigrated to italy and afterwards into france in the reign of francis i was one angelo vergeccio whose beautiful calligraphy excited the admiration of the learned the french monarch had a greek fount cast modelled by his writing the learned henry stephens who like our porson for correctness and delicacy was one of the most elegant writers of greek had learnt the practice from our angelo his name became synonymous for beautiful writing and gave birth to the vulgar proverb or familiar phrase to write like an angel End of section 20